This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, New York's governor has declared a state of emergency for western New York. Heavy snowfall hit the state late Thursday and is expected to last over the weekend. Find out the latest updates. A U.S. House committee advances a bill to track mail-in ballots, but some feel it doesn't do enough to stop potential fraud. We bring you more on what lawmakers call a common-sense requirement. The Chinese Communist regime is operating its own police stations on U.S. soil. What is the U.S. government doing about it? Twitter's new CEO, Elon Musk, had an ultimatum for employees this week. We have the latest developments in the social media saga. And an internet dad to four million and counting. Many who don't have anybody else to turn to for fatherly advice turn to this guy. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Evelyn Lee. Good morning. Today is Friday, November 18th, and we're really starting to feel the winter, man. It's gotten really cold real quick. And in western New York, there's so much snow. Governor Hochul declared a state of emergency ahead of the storm. It's forecast to carry on over the weekend. The National Weather Service says the storm has the potential of dumping up to four feet of snow by Sunday. The worst snowfall is expected in Buffalo, likely paralyzing the hardest hit communities. Other areas could get around a foot of the lake effect snow. The state of emergency covers 11 counties. Commercial truck traffic was banned along a stretch of Interstate 90 after 4 p.m. Thursday. The heaviest snow is expected to last till this evening. The, snow, the storm is predicted to last until Sunday. The National Weather Service has deemed the event an extreme uh, winter storm on its severity index for Jefferson County, Genesee County and Erie County. But if you are not in those counties, you are not getting away without a very significant event. For those unfamiliar with the term lake effect, snow is caused by frigid air picking up moisture from the warmer lakes, causing some of the lake water to evaporate into the air. The air then cools and moves on, dumping moisture on the ground. When temperatures are cold enough, it results in massive snowfall. Carrie Lake says the election for who sits in the Arizona governor's chair is not over. She has not conceded. Instead, she is assembling lawyers and collecting evidence of voters having trouble casting ballots on election day. And today's Daniel Monahan has the story. That I am still in this fight with you. In a video released Thursday on social media, Lake says her claims of a broken election system have been confirmed. When we called for Katie Hobbs to recuse herself over a year ago, they ridiculed us. It turns out we were right. The fox was guarding the hen house, and because of that, voters have been disenfranchised. Hobbs, the current Secretary of State, is the top election official in the state. As overseer of elections, Hobbs has several duties, including watching the counts and certifying the election results. She spoke on CNN. And I'm not going to recuse myself from the job that the voters elected me to do. Throughout the race, Lake called for an overhaul of Arizona's election system, citing problems with voting machines. In the video, she says she was right to question the system. On election day, nearly half of all polling locations had problems with tabulating machines and printers. But Hobbs said on Wednesday in an interview with the Washington Post, the system doesn't need an overhaul. 
She said as governor, she wants to expand early voting and maybe mail ballots to all registered voters. Carrie Lake called for voters who experienced problems with voting to reach out and share their stories, which she then posted on Twitter. When we arrived at the voting center, the workers told us that the printers at that location were all broken. So they went to the next closest voting center at Litchfield Park First Baptist Church. But while standing in the 40-person line, Mr. Kearns noticed some problems. We noticed that about two out of every three people that tried to scan their ballots that just wouldn't scan their ballot. The location had only two scanners. Neither worked on Mr. Kern's ballot. He was asked to put his ballot into door three, but he refused. In the end, they allowed him to use the handicap system, which prints a larger ballot. That worked. It took them over an hour to vote, and by that time, he estimated the line to be between 100 and 150 people. Steve Handelin arrived to vote at 5.30 in the morning and was ninth in line. One of the tabulators was broken, and the other tabulator kept rejecting everyone's vote. Emily Weinberg and her boyfriend, Jalen Topps, experienced what they called voter fraud. They say a voter registration drive took place at their community college. Jalen registered, but when the worker saw he chose Republican as the party, she said, Are you sure that's right? When he went to vote, he says he was only given a federal voting form, and that they accused him of being an illegal immigrant. He provided his photo ID, driver's license, and a social security card to prove he was an American citizen. According to Emily, the worker responded, Oh, I'm sorry, we don't accept that as a form of um, proof. This poll observer says four out of seven ballots were failing when he observed from 12.30 p.m. to 1 p.m. on election day. I'll never forget the look on these affected voters' faces. They were in disbelief that our system of voting was failing them in a mass, in mass. Arizona election officials say that machines at the Maricopa County Tabulation and Election Center were able to process the ballots that couldn't be read at voting centers. Recent results show Democrat Katie Hobbs's lead has dropped from 0.8 to 0.6 percent. Under Arizona law, a recount triggers when the margin is less than or equal to 0.5 percent. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. The House Oversight and Reform Committee advanced a bill concerning mail-in ballots yesterday. It would enable mail-in ballots to be tracked. Specifically, it requires any ballot mailed in a federal election to have a unique Postal Service barcode on the envelope. That will allow individuals to track their own ballot. Representative Carolyn Maloney introduced the bill. She says it's a common-sense requirement. She says it would enable boards of elections to confirm when a ballot was sent and give voters confidence that their votes have been cast and counted. Another ranking member of the committee says it will help protect the Postal Service from being blamed for election irregularities. Other lawmakers worry it could give a false sense of security and say it doesn't do enough. They want voter ID measures added. House Republicans announced Thursday they're going to investigate President Biden and his foreign business dealings. They say they want to make sure the president hasn't been compromised by any foreign governments. NTD's Jason Perry has the story. Committee Republicans have uncovered evidence of federal crimes committed by and to the benefit of members of the president's family. Representative James Comer announced that the House Oversight Committee will investigate President Biden. They want to see if he was directly involved in his son Hunter's business deals and if the president is compromised. Committee Republicans have identified over 50 countries the Biden family sought businesses in. On the international side of the Biden family business, the deals were often led by Hunter Biden. That map there behind the play shows all the countries where the Bidens 
had a footprint in international business dealings. According to Comer, a whistleblower revealed that President Biden was directly involved in Hunter's international business dealings, many of which raised red flags at U.S. banks. For example, if a transaction is suspected to be related to money laundering, fraud, or other types of criminal activity, the bank must file a suspicious activity report, or SAR, with the Treasury Department. According to media reports, the Biden family accumulated over 150 SARs. One SAR generated by an American bank, the Treasury Department, connects Hunter Biden and his business associates to international human trafficking, among other illegal activities. But there's a catch to getting those suspicious activity reports. Under President Bush, under President Obama, and under President Trump, any committee in Congress could have access to those suspicious activity reports. But when Joe Biden became president, he changed the rules. And now Congress is no longer able to access those reports. When the new Congress is sworn in in January, House Republicans hope to use their subpoena power to continue to pursue those bank records. Earlier in the month, Biden was asked what message he had for Republicans who might investigate his family. Lots of luck in your senior year, as my coach used to say. In a statement to CNN, the White House said the investigations are politically motivated, adding that instead of working with President Biden to address issues important to the American people, like lower costs, congressional Republicans' top priority is to go after President Biden with politically motivated attacks chock full of long debunked conspiracy theories. House Republicans also released a report that details the evidence they say shows that Biden personally participated in his family's business deals. It can be found at republicans-oversight.house.gov. Jason Perry, NTD News. The Biden administration declared yesterday that Saudi Arabia's crown prince should be considered immune from a lawsuit. This over his alleged role in the killing of a U.S.-based journalist. The move represented a turnaround from President Biden's campaign trail denunciations of Prince Mohammed bin Salman over the brutal slaying. The administration said the senior position of the prince should shield him against a suit, which was brought by the fiancé of slain Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. The request is non-binding and a judge will decide whether to grant immunity. However, it is bound to anger human rights activists and many U.S. lawmakers. This Saudi Arabia has stepped up imprisonment and retaliation against peaceful critics at home and abroad. It, it has also cut oil production despite soaring energy prices. Saudi officials allegedly killed Khashoggi at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. They are believed to have dismembered him, although his remains have never been found. As a candidate, Biden vowed to make a pariah out of Saudi rulers over the 2018 killing. In a 2019 CNN town hall, Biden said, quote, I think it was a flat-out murder. Coming up, be hardcore or leave? Find out more about Elon Musk's ultimatum for Twitter employees and yesterday's deadline. And after this break, was the Massachusetts Department of Public Health playing Big Brother? A lawsuit alleging tracking apps on phones for COVID tracing says yes. Find out more in just a minute. Welcome back. The Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, is operating police station in the United States. 
run under the guise of administrative facilities, the stations have a more sinister purpose. They're used to track down, arrest, and extradite people wanted by the CCP. That includes dissidents against the regime and its leader, Xi Jinping. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more. A Senate hearing on threats to the U.S. homeland was held on Thursday. FBI Director Christopher Wray testified. We have seen a clear pattern of the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party, exporting their, trans, their repression right here into the U.S. Ray says the agency is aware of the Chinese police stations on U.S. soil and is investigating. He says it's outrageous that the Chinese police would attempt to set up shop without proper coordination. It violates sovereignty and, and circumvents uh, standard judicial and law enforcement uh, cooperation processes. Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas also testified. He says the threat from China is one of the most significant the U.S. faces in the homeland. It's not only a matter of national security, it's a matter of homeland security in a number of arrays. Mayorkas says it's up to the Justice Department to shut them down. The stations outwardly appear to serve administrative purposes, such as helping Chinese immigrants renew driver's licenses without having to leave the country. But in effect, they act as overseas police stations for the CCP. Ray says the Chinese regime hires private investigators in the U.S. to be their agents and conduct some of this work. He noted situations where bugs have been planted in Americans' cars. Harassing, stalking, surveilling, blackmailing uh, people who they just don't like or who disagree with the, the Xi regime. And so it's a real problem and it's something that we're talking with our, our foreign partners about as well because we're not the only country where this has, uh, has occurred. Ireland shut down two similar operations in October for illegally acting on behalf of a foreign state. Stations were found and closed in the Netherlands earlier this month in both Amsterdam and Rotterdam. Officials accused them of conducting Beijing's campaign to repatriate critics of the regime back to China to be imprisoned. I'm deeply concerned about this uh, and I'm not going to just let it lie. Ray encouraged Chinese Americans and dissidents to report any incidents of being targeted to the FBI. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Maryland's Attorney General on Thursday filed a report identifying nearly 160 Roman Catholic priests who have been accused of sexual and physical abuse. The nearly 500-page report outlines at least 600 victims that suffered abuse in the Archdiocese of Baltimore over the last 80 years. The investigation, which began in 2019, identified 115 priests who were prosecuted for sexual abuse or as having been credibly accused of sexual abuse. It also names an additional 43 priests accused of sexual abuse but who were not identified publicly by the Archdiocese. A spokesperson for the Attorney General says the victims' ages range from preschool to young adults. The Attorney General filed a motion in Baltimore Circuit Court to make the report public. And on a slightly lighter note, hundreds of Twitter employees are estimated to have quit this, year, uh, this week. That's after the company's new CEO, Elon Musk, gave them an ultimatum. The deadline was yesterday. Musk sent out a company email on Wednesday. He stated, going forward, employees will need to be extremely hardcore and willing to work long hours for the company to succeed. 
Staff were asked to click yes if they wanted to stay. Those that didn't respond by 5 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday would have been considered to have quit and given a severance package. Musk has laid off a large portion of Twitter's roughly 7,500 member global workforce. He says the company was losing more than $4 million every day and that bankruptcy is not out of the question. Multiple staff members have sued the company over layoffs. Musk defended the decision. He pointed out every person terminated was given three months of severance pay. That's 50% more than what's legally required. And Musk recently said he's running Tesla's global operations with much difficulty and that he has too much work on his plate. He says he's working morning to night, seven days a week. The billionaire entrepreneur has indicated he's open to someone else eventually taking over as CEO, but says for now he will continue to run Twitter until it is in a strong place and it will take some time. Musk tweeted out last night he's not worried about resignations. He says the best people are staying. He also cracked a joke on Twitter. How do you make a small fortune in social media? Start out with a large one. A lawsuit alleges that the Massachusetts Department of Public Health used Google technology to install tracking apps secretly on more than a million Android phones. The lawsuit claims that it was part of the state government's efforts to slow the spread of COVID-19 through contact tracing. The new Civil Liberties Alliance accuses the health department of brazen disregard for civil liberties. This by allegedly installing spyware that tracks and records movement and personal contacts without, quote, their owner's permission and awareness. The class action suit says the actions by the health department violate both the Massachusetts and U.S. constitutions. The lawsuit further states that conspiring with a private company to hijack residents' smartphones without the owner's knowledge or consent is not a tool that the Massachusetts Department of Public Health may lawfully employ in its efforts to combat COVID-19. Ticketmaster just canceled today's ticket sales for Taylor Swift's first tour in five years. The company said yesterday over two million tickets were sold on Tuesday. That's when pre-sales started. It's the most they've ever sold for an artist in a single day. The unprecedented traffic and bot attacks caused a near meltdown of the website. It's not yet clear if any more tickets will be sold. There's also questions about how many tickets are left. The company says around 2 million people were on a waiting list. The outage is not only drawing outrage from fans. Politicians are also taking an interest. Senator Amy Klobuchar sent a open letter to Ticketmaster CEO on Wednesday. Klobuchar is chair of the Senate, Anti Senate Antitrust Panel. She voiced concerns about the state of competition in the ticketing industry and its harmful impact on consumers. Swift's U.S. tour will begin next year. You know, one interesting thing about Taylor Swift is when she released her album called 1989, it raised widespread speculation that she and her clothing could be censored or banned in China. And that's because uh, at the time, her initials TS and 1989 on it had, it had, it had those initials on it. And TS could be interpreted as uh, Tiananmen Square. Right, and the Chinese Communist regime censors any reference to the Tiananmen Square massacre, no matter how slight it is. That took place on June 4, 1989. Right, and next, Rob Kenny started uploading dad life lessons in 2020. Now he is the internet dad to 4 million and counting. Many who don't have anybody else to turn to for fatherly advice find out what inspired him to do this and which personal life lessons he shared after the break.
dad, how do I? That's what dads around the world have heard a thousand times over, and so did Rob Kenny. But he himself didn't have many opportunities to ask this question. That's why he is now sharing advice on how to adult online, becoming the internet dad to four million people and counting. And we're bringing in the man himself, Rob Kenny, to tell us more. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Evelyn. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. And before we dive in, first, please share what your goal was when you first started filming all these and uploading uploading all these videos. Yeah, originally uh, it's something I thought of a few years before I actually started it. Uh, I I pictured one of my kids in the other room saying, "Dad, how do I?" So that's how I came up with the name. Uh, but I just, you know, I procrastinate like anybody else. And but my daughter stayed on me and said, "Dad, you really need to do this. You need you need to do it." And so I I finally, yeah, my first video go up uh, in April of 2020, and here we are today. <laughs> yeah, here we are today, indeed. You have four million subscribers now. Would you have ever thought that this is where it would lead you? And you know, why do you think your videos had? that kind of effect because that's not a long um, that, that's not a long time to catapult you to 4 million viewers or subscribers. Yeah, yeah, it's uh it, it totally caught me off guard and um I uh, as I shared with you before the interview, I my my dad left when I was 14 and so uh, part of my channel was I was trying to share some stuff that would have been good for me to use. You know, I'm old so YouTube wasn't around when I was younger, but that's what I was thinking I'd download some some information from my head that I had a lot of it, I learned the hard way. And so I was just trying to, uh, yeah, I thought I'd have 30 or 40 followers and, and kind of create this nice little tight knit community. Uh, so it completely caught me off guard. And here, yeah, again, still trying to get my head around it. I, you know, I've, I've, I've got my feet under me now as an introvert and my face everywhere. Uh, it was scary at first, but now, now it's good. And, you know, talking about that, um, providing what you didn't really had as a kid, what is the most valuable lesson, though, that you could teach? I think, uh, thankfully, on my channel, I do more than just how to tie a tie and how to shave. I actually have dad chats and talk about all kinds of different things. And honestly, for me, forgiveness uh, is a big um, word for me that I want to share with people because I it took me a long time to forgive my dad, but I did. And it was the best thing. I ever did for me because I you know the whole time I was it's that saying like you're drinking poison and hoping it somehow hurts the other person and that's what I was doing I was you know chewing that around over and over in my head for for probably 20 years and kind of waiting for him to actually ask for forgiveness and you know if if you're waiting for somebody else to ask for forgiveness it may never come you know I want to know more about that how did that kind of forgiveness can you tell me about how that changed you and your process or how you look at life? Uh, again, I'm, I'm old now, so I've heard so many different <laughs> comparisons to not forgiving. And I think a big part of it is you're, you're carrying baggage into the future. You know, you can't do anything about the past. Um, and so I think, you know, if you can let go of that type of stuff um, and live your own life, because really I, I kept, you know, that was taking up mind space really uh in my own head and it kind of holds you back and i want to encourage people to you know people have been through way worse than i have of course you know um and but playing the victim card is not beneficial I, i've found and you know if you, and people people will 
you know, oh, I, I feel so sorry for you, but, and it feels good. <laughs> so, and I ate that up, you know, but it doesn't really get you anywhere. And so I just want to encourage people to move on from playing the victim card because it just, you know, you can play it your whole life and pretty soon you've spent your whole life not really living your life, right? So um, right. I think that's a big message that I like yeah. to put out. Very inspired, a lot of inspiring words. And I want to go back to your videos and your channel. Do you go through your comments sometimes? What kind of feedback do you get from your audience? Um, I was surprised uh, by, you know, I thought I was just going to show people how to tie a tie and people are crying watching me tie a tie because maybe they never had a good dad or they never, or they, uh, you know, miss their dad or what have you, all of the above. Um, so that really, really caught me off guard. And you'll see that in the comments. And then I have, you know, I start my 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 videos by saying, hey, kids, kind of a terms, term of endearment. And I have 80-year-old uh, kids now that I didn't know I had. So <laughs> I try to keep my channel a nice, kind, welcoming place for anybody and everybody to learn something. Mm. Well... I certainly enjoyed watching your videos, How to Change a Tire, Start a Campfire. It's very entertaining to watch as well, so I enjoyed it. Thank you for your time today, Rob Kenny. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me on, Evelyn. He is just such a kind and down-to-earth guy, you know, and I loved his life lesson that he shared. You ne you're never powerless, and in the end, it should be up to ourselves how we want to live our lives, right? Never give anybody else that power over your life. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, you know, it's just so great that he's able to turn his experiences into such a great service. Right. And I think if you go through the comment sections, which which I'm guilty of, <laughs> um, you can definitely see that he had some big impact on some people's lives. Yeah, I mean, it's, it just seems like it's so fulfilling for him. Mm. Just a very warm aura this guy has. So I totally understand. I, wa I like to watch him, uh, his videos as well. But we're wrapping the program for this week. Write us at goodmorning at ntd.com. If you have anything you want to share with us, uh, that's it for today or this week. In fact, have a great weekend. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.